What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, still sort of licking the wounds from Sunday's 31-5 loss. The only good news, I guess, if there was any, uh, there was a couple bits. Number one, uh, defensive line, I thought, did a, a bang-up job. Chase now Kyler Murray. He did have a pretty good rating. He threw for 121. Did have an interception. Lana Johnson picked him off. Um, I think he threw, he threw a touchdown to Christian Kirk. He threw a touchdown to Hop. Uh, three touchdowns, I think it was. Don't have the game book up in front of me. I guess I could grab the game book and, and take a quick gander at it. But, yeah, I think it was three touchdowns, and then James Conner ended up with one. So 31-5, to five, tough one. But I thought the defensive line did a pretty good job kind of keeping Kyler Murray in check. Secondly, it was Scorgami. I mean, it's another 31-5. It never happened in the history of the NFL. So there you go. Scorgami, defensive line, playing extremely well. All right, on the show this evening, we're going to hear from our pal Andre Ware here in just a second. We're also going to hit week seven in the NFL. There were a lot of blowouts, if you will, yesterday. A couple surprising ones, if you will. One in particular that took place in Baltimore. Yeah, one in the Charm City, man. Holy smokes. That was a blowout. We'll get to that in a little bit. And then we'll hear from our pal Spencer Tillman as well. But like I said, let's kick off today's show with our good friend Andre, where we had a number of different things with Dre, which I love having Dre on. I mean, it's just the three of us just chatting up and cutting up and doing our thing. But some really fun conversation points here with Andre Ware. Uh, what did you make of the way the Texans were getting to Murray early? They did have some success. They had the safety. They were getting some stops. They did get some pressure on him. Now, I thought the uh, the defense played well uh, overall. I mean, and with the exception of it seemed like being out there a very long time. Jonathan Grenard has, has really come on as a player, uh, as a pass rusher. He defends the run. I think he's somebody that's that uh, young player that's going to be counted on for quite some time, along with uh, Jacob Martin on the other side and Malik Collins. Guys like that are just playing out of their minds. Malik had a sack uh, yesterday to get things started. I think there's some pieces that uh, certainly on the de- on the defensive side that you can build on. Okay, Dre. So offensively, uh, I I don't even. I don't even know how to start this conversation because it feels like there are so many things that are wrong with the car. Like, how do you – you got to fix yeah. the engine. you got to fix the brakes. I mean, what's the first thing that you do to kind of fix it that is not quarterback included? And then the second part of that is, if Tyrod's healthy to go, do we see him on Sunday in your estimation? Uh, I'll take the latter first. I think, yes. Uh, there was a point in time that I thought – you know, a couple of weeks ago when Davis Mills threw three touchdown passes and didn't throw a pick uh, against New England again and then threw for over 300 yards, I thought, okay, you've got to continue on. If this is the trajectory that he's on, uh, you got to see what's there and, and give him a hand, a, just a string of games to see it if this is what he's going to look like week in and week out. And then, you know, the last couple of weeks, it's been tough. Uh the Colts game was tough. Yesterday was tough. And, you know, yeah, I think Tyrod goes, you know, he, he goes back to the front of the line once he's healthy. And I think it gives this cha- this team a, a better chance to compete and win. And then as far as fixing, 
something, the one thing, it's got to be consistency up front on the offensive line. Uh, that allows you to do everything. It allows you to protect the quarterback, obviously. It allows you to run the football. It allows you uh, j- just a, a luxury of things, picking up blitzes. And, and they can help themselves by just eliminating the pre-snap penalties of the false starts and the holding penalties, the, the in-play penalties as well of when you're in third and short and then all of a sudden there's a there's a holding penalty and you're third and long and, and expecting a young rookie quarterback to bail you out of it. It's just unrealistic. Trey, and continuing on that thread there, you have Davis Mills who isn't taking too many sacks. He was sacked twice yesterday. No big deal. He did have a strip sack, so that was a, a problem, obviously. But it's not like they're overwhelming him and getting him to the ground a lot. The ball comes out, but it's not always complete. Yet the completion percentage yesterday was pretty decent. He's 23 of 32. They're just not getting the ball down the field. It speaks to what you said about third and long, and those are harder to convert. But what else? What else can they do for Mills to try to make life easier for him if if he's going to stay in there? Yeah, he, he's got to learn as well to step up in the pocket. The, the game against New England, they rushed him from the outside. He did a dang good job of stepping up. Eyes were still down the field and things of that sort. And as, as well, you got to give him a place to go sometimes with easy throws. Easy throws on first down. Uh, if you have off coverage, he should have the flexibility to get to it, uh, whether it's through a signal or an audible or whatever, just so they're not as routine as they can seem to be at times on first down and then second down, then all of a sudden, it's third down that we just talked about and third and long, and, and it's an obvious passing situation. It's hard for anybody to play quarterback under those circumstances. And I'm not saying that's the case every time, but it certainly seems like that's the case more times than not. All right, Dre, it's the Rams. That means it's no longer Jared Goff, but it is Matt Stafford. And when Stafford was traded this offseason, I remember – you texted, we get a text string, three of us, and you're like, I'm telling you, Stafford going to the Rams is going to make them a complete legit Super Bowl contender. Well, they're 6-1. and one. The only loss was to the 7-0 and Cardinals. Stafford's tearing it up. That offense feels and looks like it can do anything. Cooper Cup might be one of the top three to five receivers in the league, and a lot of that has to do with Stafford's emergence. I don't know how to stop this this offense, but I know whenever we play Matt Stafford, it is the opportunity for you to step up and say, I told y'all, I told y'all that Matt Stafford was this good. I've been singing Matt Stafford's song for a long time. Mark knows privately we've had conversations, obviously, with you, Johnny. We've had conversations about Matthew Stafford, and then he finally gets with the offensive juggernaut. And uh, and, they, and he's off and running. He's got players around him uh, that are just weapons that are, that are plentiful. I ab- I actually think this is the better team. They're still they were still kind of finding their way when they faced the Cardinals in in, uh, in week four. But if you give me a choice of the Cardinals defense or the Rams defense, I'm going to take the Rams defense because it has Aaron Donald on it. It's got Jalen Ramsey on it. It's, they've got playmakers all over the place on that defense. A'shaun Robinson's another one. Uh, and then Ooh. offensively, um, that, you know, Cooper Cup is playing at a historic level right now and on pace to shatter a couple of uh, 
NFL all-time receiving records for, you know, yards in a season and touchdowns. He can get close to Randy Moss's 23 if he stays on his current pace. We forget a guy that's running second team and Deshaun Jackson that can still take the top off a of defense. So it's a scary bunch um, on both teams turn and start to start to get ready for this one because I think they're facing a team that's really like the one that they faced uh, yesterday in the Cardinals. The, the Rams are the same exact way and built a lot similar to how the Cardinals are. All right, let's talk about some other stuff going on around the division here as the Titans just took down the Chiefs. And it's not just that they won. It's winning 27-3. to Mahomes left the game. Mahomes did not play well. The Chiefs are 3-4. and four. Uh, The Titans are 5-2. and two. Derrick Henry, you know what? He's putting together that MVP campaign. Not only is it uh, good to run the football a whole lot, and I don't like seeing this, by the way, but I'm just thinking he's the most valuable player in this league. He threw a TD pass yesterday that had touch. He led the receiver. The guy is all-world. And it's really unfortunate to see the Titans and the Colts started to play well, but the Titans, Dre, are playing really well. They, to me, look like a potential Super Bowl contender coming out of the AFC. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the game, whether it was last year or the year before when they were running. I'm talking about the Chiefs. Uh, and the, the Colts went in and just gave it, gave them the business. I mean, yep. gave it to them. And it was because... They stayed committed to the run. That's where can that's Kansas City's defense. That's their crypt. I mean, uh, they're, they're kryptonite, so to speak. Telling Mark yesterday, this is what happens when you give a guy half a billion dollars. You can't build a team around him. Yeah, Sammy Watkins. I mean, they they have just lost a lot on the offensive line. On the offensive line at wide receiver, they're not running the ball the way they have been. It's not just what the Titans are doing offensively. You pointed this out. No, Sammy Watkins. Which look. It's hard to, like, sing the blues for the Chiefs that they don't have enough weapons here because they do have some weapons, uh, but they're just not getting it done. They don't run the ball well, which is a big problem for them as well. No, they they haven't. It's been tough, tough treading in that, that department. Darrell Williams was, you know, outside of Mahomes, the, their next leading rusher with just five carries for 20 yards. But when you get them down, they have to run the football. I mean, they have to throw it. So they're not running it a whole bunch. They're just they're just slinging it around, and Tennessee's doing a heck of a job of just controlling it all game long. And you know, as you as mentioned, teams that commit to the run that have running backs are going to give the Chiefs a lot of problems, and the Titans are one of them. Okay, there are a lot of great stories this year in the NFL through seven weeks. This question is for both of you. Okay, is there a better story right now? than the Cincinnati Bengals, number one seed in the AFC. Dre, you go first. Uh, it's probably the, the, the most, you know, the, the story that you, that is least talked about. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a head scratcher because of the division number <laughs> one that they're in, you know, when the, you got the Ravens sitting there and everybody's praising the Ravens about a week or so ago. Uh, the Steelers are there and everybody had a, a bunch of people had Cleveland go into the Super Bowl from that division. So, yeah, I mean, but Joe Burrow was, we saw what, you know, what, where he was pointed last year until the injury. 
they mess around and get him some help and some a couple of other weapons, younger receivers, and now they've taken off. And, and I don't think there's going to be any turning around anytime soon. Defensively, they get they got just enough, but they can go score with anybody. So they'll be a problem for uh, for the rest of the season for a lot of teams, and especially in the AFC North. You know, when we saw them last year and there was no Joe Burrow and obviously the team's a bit different, but you saw the seedlings of this. You saw the explosiveness. Yes, uh, the receivers in particular. Yeah, you you just saw that they had the potential to do some damage this way. And when I look at what happened with the Ravens yesterday, and that was a dominating victory on the road for the Bengals, and Lamar Jackson throws for 257, you're thinking, well, when he does that, they got to win, right? He ran for 88. But, again, they're not running the ball the way they need to with the other guys, with the running backs. They had it going on with the backs when they were going really good. And, look, they can still resurrect. It's week seven, plenty of time left to do something great with your season. And maybe they learn from this and move on and get a whole lot better. But it's really interesting to see. You know, the Bengals rise up. The Bills, they rise up, and then they took a big loss. So it's just kind of weird and you know we have a lot of ebb and flow right here but that's why I think the AFC is I hate to say wide open but it's open for one of these teams to step up and you'd love to be one of them but unfortunately we're not doing that right now just yet and the Bengals go out and get they've got this draft pick choice to make Mm -hmm. and whenever you're facing left tackle versus wide receiver like okay you're gonna go left tackle more than likely and they go Jamar Chase and to me Dre to you know kind of to to both y'all's points the, the, the seedlings were there last year. Who we didn't see was Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase. Yeah. And those dudes are unbelievable. And Jamar Chase has stepped into this league, and it's like he didn't even – he didn't, who, who are these people saying, oh, well, we'll see what happens to all these opt-outs from 2020, didn't play in 2020. This dude didn't play football in 2020, played basically one year of college football, and is coming into the league and has torn it up. He's as good a receiver, Dre, as, uh, as as a young receiver as I can remember coming into this league. And, I mean, Justin Jefferson was great the year before. Chase is that much better. He goes for two bills yesterday. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, the, the guy pulling the trigger for him and uh, who lobbied for it, for him to get him into Cincinnati uh, is, is a pretty good quarterback as well. So he knows yeah. how to set him up. They've got chemistry, obviously, going back to – to their days at LSU. So it was an easier transition, I think, for Chase than than a lot of receivers. When you've played with a guy for a couple of years and won a lot of games with him, you know his body language already, and then the, the franchise rewards you. They actually take what you're saying into consideration, and they go out and get you a, a weapon like that. Um, they, they're going to be on a, on a on the same page a lot faster than a lot of quarterback-receiver combinations. But it's been impressive to watch. I love watching Joe Burrow play because you can see and feel the passion. Uh, if you're ever, if you've ever been around him, just how much he actually loves football and loves the grind of preparing, and that stuff starts to really translate, and you see it on the field. Andre San Francisco gets beaten pretty soundly by the Colts. Okay, it was close till sort of late when they hit Pittman on a touchdown that put the score, put the game out of reach, but. An impressive win for the Colts, who were down 9 nothing at one point in the monsoon. And this is all even with uh, Carson Wentz throwing a shovel pass interception. <laughs> I mean, it, it was really impressive what they were able to do out there on the West Coast in the bad weather. San Francisco 2-4, and four, 
And here are the Colts winning three of four and really coming around. Let's start with Indy here because when you can run the ball and Wentz is playing well enough and not turning it over for the most part except for that shovel pass pick, uh, you're going to have some success with that team. Yeah, they got a nice one, two, three punch in Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines and, and Marlon Mack. So, you know, it's just it's enough to give Taylor a rest, and he is he's going to be something else in this division for a long time. Um, I, I told you guys last week that they were getting they were getting healthy at the right time. And they've got mm. you know the, the defensive side of the ball. Darius Leonard obviously leads the way there. Kenny Moore had a big game yesterday, but they got healthy at the right time. And now I think you're starting to see what what Frank Reich was so excited about getting Carson Wentz in. He's not doing a whole lot, but the uh, the the parts around him are starting to play well. And they just needed a guy to to kind of hold it together. He's been able to do that. Didn't turn the ball over yesterday, and and that led to a, a pretty good pretty good game against the 49ers. So th- they're dangerous going forward. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're in the thick of things at the end of it. Okay, we have not seen this for both y'all too. We have not seen as much of one of these guys, but we really didn't get a chance to see a lot of Joe Burrow last year either. You have you are creating a franchise, and you get a choice for the next 12 years. Mm-hmm. Mm. Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence? Dre, which one? Oh, boy. I got my answer if you want me to go first. All right. I'm going to go Mark's Burrow. Going I'm going to go Burrow because right if I have to decide today. You're, ste- you're steady Trevor Lawrence hating, aren't you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> if I have to go today. <laughs> I should expect it no different. If I have to go today, I'm taking Burrow because I already know he can play, right? Lawrence, I'm seeing some things here, but it yeah. hasn't been proven yet. I already have Burrow, known commodity. Look, I know he got injured last year, and I hate seeing people get injured, and you hope that it doesn't continue, but. If you're making me decide that today among those two guys, I'll take Burrow. I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. Oh boy! And I, I take him because <laughs> of the, I, I take him because of the mobility factor. You know, being six six and being able to run like he runs, it gives me uh, a little more variety on offense. It, it's it's a frightening thing for a defensive coordinator when a guy can can move around and run the way he can, and I think he's going to get there eventually. Yeah, you know, when you look at it, Joe Burrow, believe it or not, went into a little bit better situation in Cincinnati than than uh, Trevor Lawrence did in uh, in uh, Jacksonville. And so uh, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but ultimately he will play at the level, if not beyond the level that we're seeing Joe Burrow play. All right, one more for you guys. Now, we saw the Penn State game where you had 75 overtimes. How many was it? Nine? <laughs> Nine. Nine, Nine overtimes. overtimes. With Illinois. Okay. And they after the, which one do they go to the two-point conversion exclusively? First one is it's straight up. The, second one is the, second. It's after the second. It's after the second because the, the first one you play straight up, second one you, you got to go, go for two. two. You the have third to go. one you start alternating two-point conversions. Okay. All right. So here's, here's my idea. I don't know if it's a good one, but you tell me. This will incentivize NFL teams. Don't go to overtime because you don't know what's going to happen. We go right to two-point conversions. That's it. You play 60, you're tied. Line it up. Put the ball at the two-yard line. Let's rock back and forth until it's done. You know what? You're going to see some major aggressive play at the end of regulation because no one wants to go to that, and that's going to be so exciting. And the game will be over fast. Let's move on to the late window. 
What do you think? It is, but but as as uh, they try to put all these safety measures in the game, uh, I think you're in that kind of scenario. The banging that you're going to have from the two yard line, uh, you're going to see a lot of injuries start to increase as well what? because that's that's like a glorified what inside drill, Johnny? Yeah. yeah so you're, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, yeah. Yeah, but you're Trey, I, a if lot, you're the if you're the OC, you're spreading them out anyway. I know how you operate. You're going to spread them out. You're going to try to run it and sneak it through the, between the guard and the tackle. Or, or you're going to roll it's out exactly and do something right. like that. You're, at, you're absolutely right. And you probably know exactly what I'm going to do when, when you turn it over to me as well. Yeah. <laughs> On the plus side, plus side of the 50. Exactly. I'm, I'm like, watch top. it. Just cover it deep. Don't worry about anything else. <laughs> He's going deep. It was fascinating no, in I, nine overtimes that they that's had crazy. two field goals for each team and then one two-point conversion actually hit. I mean, I'm watching that thing before we took off, and I'm just, I can't believe it. It's like one guy dropped the pass. One guy slipped and couldn't catch a pass. Then they decided to run it because Illinois had run it, I think, I think the number was like 60 times. And you're yeah. like, eh, at the two-yard line, three-yard line, like run And then like, no. And then finally, Illinois with their backup quarterback ends up getting it in. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. Because that's, that's to Dre's point. If you get to an eight or nine overtimes, you get that way, then, yeah, the pounding gets to be, gets to be a bit much. But you would think NFL teams would be a little bit better at it, but who knows. Dre, do you have a World Series prediction or thoughts? Going with the Astros, man. I'm riding the Astros all the way. Uh, it'll, it'll be a good series, I think. But the timely hitting, the way they they uh, they come through with two outs when they need when they need the bats to wake up is is just hard to uh, hard to fade. And I, I don't I don't know how they're doing this with the starting pitching that uh, that that's been on display. But Dusty Baker's figured out a way to get them to this point, and uh, and so I'm riding all the way with the Astros. As a good friend of mine used to say, as far as who's not riding the show, who doesn't ride with the Strohs? Yeah. Who doesn't ride with the Strohs? Well, I know somebody that is riding with you and with all of our fans out there, and that's Dykin. We got a lot of fans out there, but got to give some props to our biggest, and that's Dykin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. From comfort, convenience, to air quality, Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors. As they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050 as the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin, is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's our good friends at Daikin. Coming up, week seven in the NFL. Twists, turns. It's a normal week in the National Football League. That's next on Texans All Access. 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 Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And this segment is brought to you by Mattress Firm, the official mattress retailer of your Houston Texans. And it's time to take a look back at week seven in the NFL. I can't sing, but uh, I like to talk about the NFL. And so that is is what we are going to do right now. And I do it in a format that I love. I get an opportunity to talk about all the games and all the things that went on. Now, I want to talk about Browns, Browns, Broncos, although Dearness Johnson was fantastic the other night. 146 yards in his first start for the Browns. Who needs Nick Chubb? Trade him for a seventh to the Texans and see how 
that goes. Okay, let's get to it. I need my music. There it is. Let's rock. Let's start in Nashville where, man, oh, man, what a blowout this was. Derrick Henry did a little bit of everything on this day. He ran for 86 yards, but he also, well, he did this. First to goal for Tennessee, direct snap. Henry, he's going to pass it. Touchdown. Michael threw it. Now, if the receiver doesn't, well, strike a nerve or, well, remembrance, that's Michael Pruitt, former Texan. That kicked off the scoring. It ended the first drive for the Titans, and this one wasn't even close. Whenever I look at the stats uh, box, the box score, they always have uh, on the box score, they have a win probability. The win probability for the Titans was at that touchdown, it was 60, it was like uh, 54%. By the time, I think it was in the second quarter, by the time I got the 14 to nothing, it was 83.3% win pot probability for the Titans. This was domination from jump. The Titans were up 27 to nothing. 27 to nothing at half. At half. The Chiefs could only manage a field goal. Patrick Mahomes finished 20 of 35 for 206 yards and a pick. No tutties. Mahomes also was the leading rusher, and therein lies the issue for the Chiefs. Six carries, 35 yards. Byron Pringle. Yeah, who had Byron Pringle as the leading receiver for the Chiefs on this day? Well, he was. A.J. Brown set it off. Eight catches. 133 yards and a touchdown. Julio Jones only had two catches for 38 yards. Michael Pruitt, two catches for 27, including that touchdown from Mr. Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill, very, very good, rating 105.3. How about Derrick Henry's rating? It was 127.1. The Chiefs fall to 3-4 and four and are flawed, but obviously, um, yeah, it's not been good. The Titans, they move to 5-2 and two and are looking golden in the AFC South. All right, let's go to Foxborough, where the New England Patriots decided, let's crank this offensive engine up just a little bit. And they did it with the help of Damian Harris. And James, no surprise, but their runs have been up the middle where C.J. Mosley usually is. Here's another one right up the middle, and room for Harris! Inside the 20, cuts it back at the 10, and it's first and goal for the Patriots. And my friends, that was a theme. Holy smokes. Running backs ruled the day. Damian Harris had 106 yards on just 14 carries, but he had two tutties. The leading receiver for the Patriots was Brandon Bolden. Six catches for 79 yards, but... Bolden, six catches. Kendrick Bourne, four. Jacoby Myers, five. Johnu Smith, two. Aguilar, two. Jaco- uh, Johnson, fullback. Jacob Johnson, two catches. Nikhil, uh, I'm sorry, Hunter Henry, two catches. Nikhil Harry, a 28-yarder. Three receiving touchdowns. Henry, Aguilar, Bolden. That's a lot of touchdowns, by the way. That's five. And Kendrick Bourne, of course, contributing the receiving touchdown 54 to 13 the Patriots move to three and four as the Jets fall to one and five 
And bad news on top of bad news for the JETS Jets, Jets, Jets. Zach Wilson injured his PCL to sprain. It looks like two weeks he'll be back, so it's not season-ending. So that's good news because when you see him down, the first thing that you think about, I thought about, was Joe Burrow last year. Zach Wilson going to be out for a couple of weeks. Could be more, but right now that's kind of the plan that he will be out a couple weeks dealing with that knee sprain. It's Mike White's world. Get used to it. He's the backup quarterback for the New York Jets, at least for now. All right, let's go to Baltimore, where an AFC North battle and the Bengals dominated. Man, this was this was wild to watch. We were watching it in the stadium as they had game plan, not game plan, they had uh, red zone playing game plan. They had red zone playing the entire time inside State Farm Stadium. So we were watching this unfold. And it was like, my God, Joe Burrow is slicing him up. He hit his man CJ Uzoma first. Tate on the move. Blocked by Williams, long pass downfield, and there he goes, Uzama, dancing down there with Levine and Humphrey, and he breaks the tackle and takes it in for the touchdown. Humphrey couldn't bring him down. 55-yard strike, and the Bengals on top. And then Burrow found his guy. That's right, Jamar Chase. And this was big. Listen to the call from Kevin Harlan. This is brilliant. He put him in a blunder. What a noise. Good blocking on the screws. Chase found the Oh, there he goes. He had him in a blunder, and he's off to the races. This will be six. What a play. 82 yards. I remember thinking on draft night, that the Bengals were either going to be feast or famine. They passed on Panay Sewell to help protect Joe Burrow to go get Joe Burrow, his guy, at wide receiver. And that guy was Jamar Chase. So Burrow throws for four bills, 416, three tutties, did have a pick, didn't matter. He threw 201 of those yards to Jamar Chase, who had eight receptions. That touchdown you just heard, he was fantastic. This whole team was fantastic. They blew out Baltimore 41 to 17. And it felt like it wasn't even that close. Burrow just went nuts. Mixon, a touchdown, 59 yards rushing. Samaje Pirine, 52 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uzoma, three of his two catches went for touchdown. Two of his three went for touchdowns. Chase. Averaged 25-plus yards on eight catches to go over two bills. This was complete and utter domination. Sam Hubbard had two and a half sacks. They sacked Lamar Jackson five times. Larry Ogunjobi got him a sack and a half. Trey Hendrickson, the free signee, got a sack. 41-17. to Who is your number one seed in the NFL as we speak? That's right. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Ha! Believe that. And who's the number one seed in the NFC? The Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals picked first in 2019. The Bengals picked first in 2020. Shows it can turn around very, very quickly. All right, let's go down to South 
Florida, where Miami was taking on the Falcons. And for a lot of reasons, I'm sure Texans fans were watching this game with bated breath. And Tua Tungavailoa was all over the map. He had two interceptions, but he threw four touchdowns, including one that gave the Dolphins the lead, 28-27, to Mac Hollins. But with 2.27 on the clock, the Falcons had just enough time to make things happen in this game. They would move the ball down into scoring territory and put it on the foot of Young Wei Koo. Young Wei Koo for the Falcons' victory, and he nailed it. Atlanta wins as time expires in Miami. The Falcons move to 3-3. Three and three. Congratulations to Arthur Smith, the former Titans offensive coordinator. Matt Ryan throws for 336 and two touchdowns, including a couple of big throws to the new big unit in Atlanta, that being Kyle Pitts. Seven catches, 163 yards for Kyle Pitts. The tight end version of Megatron is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Russell Gage had a deep ball, 49-yard touchdown catch. Calvin Ridley also had a touchdown catch as Matt Ryan threw a couple of them, and they hold off the Dolphins. The Dolphins fall to 1-6, but this one, not going to put it on two. He was outstanding. Four touchdowns, as I said. Did have the two interceptions, and that, I think, is uh, kind of holding some people back. Mike Gesicki with a touchdown and seven receptions. Jalen Waddle of Episcopal High School right here in Houston, also with seven catches, but not enough for the Dolphins to fall 30-28 to to the Atlanta Falcons. Let's go up to Green Bay, where there is some news about the Packers, and we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. But on this day, the Packer defense did some good work, including a D-lineman interception. Oh, yeah, Dean Lowry, go get you one. Can't miss those chances. They settle for six, and on second and four, Heineke's first throw is up for grabs, and it's intercepted. Dean Lowry. Yeah, Dean Lowry, the defensive lineman, coming up with that pick. The Packers did struggle a bit running the football. Just couldn't get much going against Washington as Aaron Jones led them with 19 yards, and that was it. Aaron Rodgers had 17 Equinemius St. Brown had 13 on a reverse. They had 57 yards, but Rodgers threw for 274 and three touchdowns. Devontae Adams, Robert Tanyan, Alan Lazard all with a tutty, and Washington just couldn't stay out of its own way. Couldn't do enough to get the ball in the end zone. Washington football team loses, falls to 2-5 and five as the Packers move to 6-1, and 24-10 over Washington. But the news... Out of Green Bay, from a COVID perspective, not very good. Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, put into COVID-19 protocols. Also, and maybe I'm burying the lead here, Devontae Adams, all-pro wide receiver, also put on the COVID-19 protocol. And yes, the Packers play at Arizona Thursday night. The perfect storm of not goodness for the Green Bay Packers. Sunday good. Today, the news, not so good. All right, 
Let's go to Las Vegas. Yes, there on the strip, the Raiders took on the Eagles. And Derek Carr really likes himself some Zay Jones. Third down at 15. As Carr sets, fires downfield. It is caught by Zay Jones. The Raiders would go on to dominate this game. Derek Carr, 31 of 34? My goodness, he was ridiculous. Two touchdowns as the Raiders come up with a 33-22 win. No Darren Waller in this one, but it really didn't matter. Rich Bisaccia gets his second straight win as Raiders interim coach. He keeps doing this. It's going to be no interim anymore. He's going to be the head coach. But the Raiders moved to 5-2. and two. With that 33-22 win over Philadelphia. All right, let's go down to Tampa Bay where a rookie from the city of Houston did some big things to start opening up the Bucks' win over the Bears. Slides over to his right side, throws it at the 25, and gets past a wave, and here he goes. Look at him go, Jalen Darden. Finally shoved out with the angle by the punter, Pat O'Donnell. The big story in this one was Tom Brady throwing touchdown pass number 600. And in Tampa Bay, that only means Mike Evans. Galveston ball, baby, on the other end. Deep ball time. And is it there? Yes, it is. Evans. The Buccaneers dominate 38-3. Rough day for Justin Fields, to say the least. 184 yards passing. Three INTs. Brady outstanding again. Four touchdowns. That one to Evans. He hit number 600. What a day for Tom Brady. And what a day it was for Matt Stafford in the Goff Stafford Bowl. Rams v. Lions. He likes his guy, Cooper Cup. You know, and when they did, they lost a couple playoff games. So Third down and 12. Stafford with all day to throw. Looking for Cup. Open over the middle. He's got it at the 40. Cooper Cup to the 30. A little stiff arm and a tiptoe out of bounds. Inside the Lions 20. Cup is on an unbelievable pace this year. He had 10 catches, 156 yards, and two touchdowns yesterday. He already on the season, he's first in the league in receptions with 56. He's first in the league with 809 passing yards and nine touchdowns those are all first Cooper Cup is tearing the league up and he comes to Houston on Sunday all right that's gonna do it for our look back at week seven in the NFL we get back let's go around the league a couple news items obviously we'll hit that Packers item as well when we get back here on Texans all access or on Texans all access or on Texans all it's Monday night football Saints and Seahawks and on a Monday night you know it's got to be Miller Lite, a championship partner of the Texans from the beginning. Miller Lite, great taste, with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season, you can have the original light beer with great taste delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces get you some Miller Lite for Monday night football and if you are a teacher 
then how about a little Toro's Math Drills for your classroom brought to you by our friends at ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills, the video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Now, I can't speak to having a Miller Lite while you do Toro's Math Drills, but I don't know, teach their own to each their own. Now, let's get around the NFL with some news items. I mentioned a couple of them as we reviewed week seven. Zach Wilson going to be out a couple weeks for the New York Jets. Looks like two to four weeks with that PCL sprain. ACL, MCL, PCL. There's all kinds of CLs. There's UCL in there. Um, Any kind of joint. I think you got four of them, if I remember correctly. So PCL going to be out two to four weeks. Wilson said that he heard a pop in his knee and it felt loose. Got an MRI and it looks like, relatively speaking, he's going to be okay. So that's great news for the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Now, the other item that I mentioned as it pertains to Green Bay Packers, a massive matchup, 6-1 and one Packers, 7-0 and oh Cardinals. Cardinals won 7-0, oh, Packers won 6-0, 6 in a row. But the Packers might be without Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams. He has been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Now, game on Sunday, maybe. Thursday is going to be awfully difficult. He's got to have two negative tests back-to-back, and then he could have the opportunity to play. Also, it's been reported that defensive coordinator Joe Barry will likely miss TNF after testing positive for the virus. Yikes. Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, potentially out. Devontae Adams, potentially out for that massive matchup with the Cardinals on Thursday. Both put in the COVID protocol. Matt Nagy, head coach of the Bears, also tested positive for COVID as well. Man, striking at the absolute Worst time. We had a trade in the NFL, and your Texans were not involved. But the Broncos need a linebacker. They call on the Rams. Kenny Young out of UCLA. A couple of six-round – there's a six-round pick. The team swapped future late-round picks with L.A. getting a 2024 six-rounder. And the Broncos got Young and a 2024 seventh-rounder. So, a little pick swap there. Not – too, too much going on. But Kenny Young goes to the Broncos. The Broncos have been just ravaged at linebacker. And so this possibly, possibly gives Young the opportunity to go play in Denver and opens up some room for maybe some young players with the L.A. Rams, who the Texans will see on Sunday right here at NRG Stadium. So a lot going on this week. Um, appreciate you guys being here with me. Appreciate my guys back in studio, Jimmy Mudd, everybody at Sports Radio 610 for keeping me on the straight and narrow. You guys are the best. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.